Welcome to another exciting episode of the Remnant Call, and I am your host, Brother Frank, and glad everybody can be here with us tonight. And we've got an exciting uh, episode tonight from the author of Shocked by the Bible 2, also Shocked by the Bible, the first one, and that is going to be Joe Kovacs from WorldNet Daily, and he's going to be here to share a few things with us tonight and, and help us to understand what does the Bible actually really say versus what you've been taught or what you think it might say. Uh, folks, it's very important that we understand what God really says versus what we've been taught, because we can end up in a very dark place or down a wrong path. Um, it only takes a few degrees of navigation to be completely off. Just at the end of one mile away, you can miss your target by just being a step off. And so it's important that we, we go down this road uh, that God wants us to go down uh, to make sure that we end up together in the kingdom with him, and he promised he would be there along the way with us so that we wouldn't uh, get all messed up as long as we trust in God. And so, folks, I want to just say a few things about last week's show, uh, Fighting Through the Darkness. Um, I'll tell you, it, it, it is a dark world out there right now, that, and, and I find that so many believers that I'm talking to, emailing with, um, trying, ministering with, that there is this suffering going on in the body, and we've talked about it many times before. But the good news is that God is here to fight with us. He is here to help us through these dark times that we live in so that, that you can know that you've got someone on your side. You don't have to give up. And, and we talked about that in fighting through the darkness. So if you're, if you're struggling and you didn't hear last week's program, you need to listen to it, folks, so that you can uh, understand that God has not given up. And just because you feel like right now at this moment, maybe you're in a dark place. Maybe you're in, a, in, in that area where you're wondering, is God uh, still there with me? Well, you know what? He is, and he's, he's just waiting for us to bring it all the way back to him, to lay it back down at his feet again. Folks, you can't handle this on your own. I can't handle it on my own, but God can handle this, and he is willing to fight for us. Just a few other quick notes. I just want to say to those who have uh, emailed me, and, and I've tried to get back to you as fast as I can, but if I haven't been able to get back to you, promise you I will get back. Just give me an extra day or two, and I will get back with you. And I am praying for you. And when, we, when I say I'm going to pray for you, I mean that I'm going to pray for you. And so I just thank everyone that's been sharing some really uh, deep, deep uh, struggles that they've been going through right now. And, and, and I'm here, uh, my family's here, and we're going to be praying and believing that God is able to do that which he said he is able to do in his word, and that is to deliver you from all temptation, from everything, the sin that so easily besets God is going to deliver. Well, enough about that, folks. Let's bring on our, our guest tonight. His name is uh, Joe Kovacs. He's with WorldNet Daily. He is a Bible-believing Christian. He's not affiliated with any church or denomination, so you don't have to worry about this. He's coming in as just a straight follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. 
He wrote uh, his first book that he wrote was Shocked by the Bible. It's a was a number one bestseller about the most astonishing facts you've ever or never been told about the Bible. Uh, and and then it that was kind of a prequel to another book that he had called The Divine Secret. And it was about this awesome untold truth about your phenomenal destiny. And, and folks, God has a great destiny in in store for us who believe. Well, he's a an award winning journalist and broadcaster who has run newsrooms and television and radio and online for more than 30 years, both in the United States and overseas. A frequent media guest, Kovacs has appeared on the O'Reilly Factor and the Fox News Channel, and now tonight he is here with us on the Remnant Call, and with that, I'm going to bring him in. Joe, are you here with us? Yes, I'm here, Frank. A pleasure to be with you on the Remnant Call. Joe, a lot of our audience is not necessarily familiar. Now, there are a lot of people that are familiar from WorldNet Daily and, and some of your first book, but they're not, there's a lot of people out here that are not familiar with the work that you do. Now, you have been uh, writing and you've been uh, in journalism for many years. What first started you down this uh, path of this whole Shocked by the Bible series that you've done? Now you're on book two. What spurred your interest into to going this route and, and writing these books? Well, growing up, I never really had an interest in the Bible at all. I was a typical secular American, just interested in sports and school and uh, that kind of thing. And I, I never knew anything about the Bible. I was in a Christian family, but a Christian in name only family where we didn't read the Bible. But we did all the secular holidays uh, that, that are uh, supposedly Christian, but are not like Christmas and Easter and, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But uh, I... I never read the Bible until I was 14 years old. I was being sent to a school that actually had theology courses. I didn't even know what the word theology meant. And when I found out it had something to do with the Bible and God, uh, I, I rushed to get a Bible and, and start reading it on my own because I didn't want to do poorly in, in school. And when I started reading the Bible, I personally was shocked by the Bible because the Bible has a message that is very different, sometimes even the exact opposite of what's being broadcast in many churches, in many churches that call themselves Christian. And so this just blew my mind that when you just read the words on the page of the Bible, you will find the truth. I want to stress to everybody, I am a Christian, and I, I do think the Bible is true. I know the Bible is true. It's completely true. And it is the most accurate uh, written document that we have Uh, talking about not only the past, but the very present and the soon-to-come future. So uh, whether you get shocked by the Bible, too, or not, it's irrelevant to me. I just want people reading their Bibles and believing their Bibles, because so many people will just read the Bible quickly, or they don't study each sentence, and they're missing the meaning of the Bible. It, It is absolutely true, and it's telling your future and your glorious destiny in the coming kingdom of God, which is not floating around in a cloud playing a harp or a flute or a guitar for all eternity, just singing songs and looking at God's face all day. We have a glorious destiny to be in in God's kingdom, ruling and reigning with him as children of God. Amen to that. You mean there's not going to be little tiny fat angels with wings flying around up in heaven? Well, it depends what the meaning of fat is when you say that. Yeah, that's a whole myth, and it's all a whole bunch of paganism that is uh, mixed into the story. But, uh, uh, you know, in in Shocked by the Bible, too, I get into some really deep concepts 
that uh, were not there in the first book. And by the way, people do not have to read Shocked by the Bible 1 to understand Shocked by the Bible 2. I wrote it presuming that people did not read the first one. So uh, while I would like, of course, people to read both books, you don't have to read, read the first one. This, this second one gets much deeper into the Word and cracks open a dimension, uh, the spirit dimension, that was not really cracked in the, uh, in the first book. So I, I want people to realize they're going to get some spiritual meat in, the, in, the, in Shock by the Bible 2 that they didn't get in the first edition. Amen to that. One of the things, Joe, I think is important about the Shocked by the Bible is it is a book that a person, a believer, can just take. Or Shocked by the Bible, Shocked by the Bible too. It, it, either one, you, if you put it onto the table, your coffee table in your house, and guests come over, it is an excellent way that you can get a conversation going. Something started about God because the title is shocking in and of itself, and so when people see this. Uh, it's a great icebreaker that you that you don't have to worry about. Well, I don't know how I'm going to start the conversation. Well, you can put that book down, and someone might see it, and 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 then really open that door up to begin to talk about. Well, what does the Word of God actually say? And I think that's a the interesting thing about your book is it's a great uh, segue into a conversation about God. Absolutely, you know this book is not about religion. Uh, you know I'm not interested in religion. It's about the Bible and what's in there and what's not. It's about the truth, the truth of God, what is really recorded on the pages and what's not. Because so many people have erroneous ideas. They've just been misinformed, lied to, tricked over the years, uh, you know, through movies, television, cartoons, their parents, their religious leaders, uh, just virtually everything in society is somehow deceiving them about what is really in the Bible, I mean, in the first book, I, I brought up some very simple facts that you can find out in five seconds if you just open up the Bible. Like, there's no three wise men showing up at the manger uh, the night mm -hmm. Jesus was born. They're just not there. You won't find that in the Bible anywhere. And yet every time you see a movie on television or, or in a movie house about the birth of Jesus, they're showing, showing three wise men showing up the night he was born at the manger in Bethlehem. You won't find that in the Bible. They'll say that Noah's Ark... Uh, landed on Mount Ararat. When the Bible doesn't say that, it actually says Noah's Ark landed in the mountains, uh, plural, the mountains, the mountain range of Ararat. So let's, you know, just be accurate about what the Bible says. Those are, were the basic facts. And in, in the new book, I get into really, really deep connecting the dots of scriptures that will open up, again, the window into the spirit dimension to see where God the Father lives, where Jesus Christ now lives, where the angels live, the good angels, the bad angels. People need to realize that there is this other dimension that we don't see with our naked eyes, but uh, it is being presented to us in the words of Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. Amen. And I want to get into some of the things you're going to, you talked about in Shocked by the Bible, too, because I think there's a, one, uh, a couple of interesting things. But, uh, Joe, you know as well as I do, um, I remember I was raised you know, to believe a certain way, to think a certain way. Um, and then when I actually got saved and gave my life to the Lord, and he saved me out of a life of drug addiction and everything else, and, and one day it was a miracle, I, I decided to go back and actually test the things that I was told growing up. And, and there was a lot of things that were true, but there was a lot of things that weren't true. 
And, and I had to decide, do I want to follow what God actually says, or do I want to follow what uh, the preacher says, or, or the teaching of, of my church says? And, and I think this is what, whether someone may agree with every point or not of what you've written, the fact is, is they need to study the Bible for themselves. And I feel that that's what you've tried to do in this book, is to get people to begin to think. You know, it's like that saying, you know, you can lead an atheist to truth, but you can't make him think. And uh, <laughs> I feel that with this, with this book, you're, that's what you're trying to do. And so I want to get into a few things here that you talk about in Shocked by the Bible, too. And, and, and that's the interesting thing. You talk about Jesus, and, and we, we, you know, we, the common thing is uh, in church as well, it's all about Jesus. Um, it's, it's, let's just make it about Jesus. And, and, and what that really means is let's not talk about anything that Jesus actually said. Let's just talk only about Jesus. And, and that's a big thing that's happening in the whole emerging church and many churches and, and all that. But you talked about there was three words that Jesus spoke about uh, that most Christians don't believe. And, and I, I don't know if I'm going too deep into your book already to get into that, but I feel that this is an important place if we could dig into that a little bit for the audience to think about. Well, that is a great place to start, and it's uh, in Chapter 2 of my book, so I don't really hide it from anybody. But yes, there are three words of Jesus that most Christians don't believe. They ignore it, they suppress it, or many have never even heard of it. You know, so many people can go to church for years upon years, even decades, and never see or talk about these three words of Jesus. And they're mentioned uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, the first, those three words, but I'm not going to hide it, it is spoken by the mouth of God Almighty, Jesus Christ, those three words are, you are gods, G-O-D-S. You are gods. Jesus said it in Psalm 82.6, and it was repeated in John 10.34, and it just shocks people. I've had people come up to me and say, the Bible doesn't say you are gods. Well, as a matter of fact, it does twice. Those words are on the page red letters from God himself in the Old Testament and New Testament spoken by Jesus Christ. It's, you know, just go to Psalm 82.6 yourself. Read it in any translation, whether it's King James, New King James, New Living Translation, NIV, Christian Standard Bible. I don't care. They all say uh, that you are gods. It's, it's, this is what uh, we are. It's uh, God is having children. He's creating children of God. And, uh, he says, you are God. I have said, you are gods. You are all children of the Most High. This is what he's doing. He's creating offspring, just like the children of cats are cats. The children of dogs are dogs. The children of giraffes are giraffes. So, therefore, the children of God are gods. Your Bible already says so. Jesus repeated it in the New Testament when he was being accused of blasphemy because he, a mere man, was claiming to be God, he said, look, guys, here's the deal. It already says in your own unbreakable scripture, Psalm 82.6, that you are gods. So why are you getting on my case just because I, I call myself the son of God or God's son? It already says you are gods. So, you know, get with the program. People need to realize what kind of being they are. We're not puppy dogs. We're not fish swimming in the sea. We are actual offspring of the divine creator of all things. The Bible calls us 
the offspring of God. It calls us the sons of God. This is our destiny. And when we realize what God is doing with us, that he is actually having and raising children to be like him, to follow his instructions, to not lie, not steal, not cheat, not lust after things you're not supposed to be lusting after, then you'll realize what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing the things that God is doing. We have a divine destiny to rule and reign uh, when he comes back, because he is coming back and he's going to have help. And we're the help if we get with the divine program and realize that we are gods, just like Jesus said twice. Amen. Um, the other interesting thing is, folks, and, and don't don't uh, misunderstand what what Joe's saying. There's a difference between we are gods and we are God. He, I don't. He never said that we are God. We are gods, and there's a little G there. But it's true that the Bible, the whole thing about Jesus coming to this earth, is about being adopted in to become the sons of God. It's Jesus made this path that we could come and be a part of the family. And Joe, what I like about it is it shows value in who you are. You're not just some, as you said, random uh, creature walking around. You're not just some, something that happened by chance. You are a child, a son or a daughter of the Most High. You are God's. And, and that's, that's correct. Me, and, uh, it, it shows you belong. Right, we belong in his family. <clears throat> God is a family. Even Jesus calls himself the son of God. Those are family terms. And God says he's having many sons and daughters. So yes, we do have a divine destiny. And, and I do like to clarify, yes, we are not the creator of God. We are not God the Father, and we're not uh, Jesus Christ, the creator of all things. But this divine family is having kids, the children of God. You will find that phrase in the New Testament over and over and over that uh, the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. The Bible does mean what it says. God is having children who will become divine. Our fleshly bodies will be transformed in the blink of an eye, says the New Testament, into uh, spirit uh, bodies, where we will be spirit beings looking like yourself, but you'll be made out of spirit, just like God is a spirit. And, uh, and you know, sometimes spirits can and have appeared on earth looking like fleshly beings. You know, you see angels appearing all the time throughout uh, Old and New Testaments, and, and they look like, you know, they have this form of, of a human being, because the form of a human being is the form of God. Remember, all the way back in Genesis, we were created in the likeness, in the image and likeness of God. He uses both words, that man was formed in the image and likeness of God. We look like him. God has a head and eyes and fingers that he wrote the Ten Commandments with, and he sits on a throne, and he's got feet and, and hands and arms and, and, and nostrils. The Bible talks about God. We're a stench in God's nostrils sometimes when we disobey. So, yes, we look like God because God is having kids that look like him. Just like human parents, when they deliver their own children, guess what? Their children come out with all the same features as their parents, and they grow up to be just like their parents. And the parents try to raise them to be decent uh, beings, decent individuals who know right from wrong and decide to choose the right. That is exactly uh, what God is doing with us. We have to choose right instead of wrong. He said before, you know, the ways of life and the ways of death. Therefore, choose life, he says. So, you know, we all have to realize why we're here. So many people go on through life not realizing why they exist and why they do what they do. But we are being trained to be the future rulers 
of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a family, and we need to realize our divine destiny. Amen to that. I appreciate. It. You know, I when I realized, um, Joe, that that I had been adopted in, grafted in to Israel, that I was no longer separate. I wasn't something different. I was actually a part of the vine. I had been grafted in, and now I know that I belong and who I belong to. It's so much better than just hearing. And many churches use the term, "Well, you're part of spiritual Israel." And I agree with that. I'm not denying that. But the Bible says that I've been grafted in. And anybody that knows about agriculture and the process of grafting is you become a part of. And that's so much deeper. And I think that's what you've brought out here uh, to, to know that. And I think a lot of people miss the value of how, just how incredible this is to be actually a part of the family and not just, as we say sometimes haphazardly, well, I'm spiritually. But, you, you know, it's, it's deeper than that. You are a part of. And so, Joe, I want to get into a little bit more some of the things you talked about because you go into some other things that maybe people aren't looking uh, at today. And that's um, uh, a few of the topics even just on the the head. I'm going to let you choose on where do we kind of go from here. But uh, some of the things you've seen in some of the major movies, it's like God's actually trying to uh, get people's attention, uh, even in the secular world trying to uh, wake us up to see the the truth and and I you know Joe you if you had a child and your son was going or your daughter was going away you would probably um do anything it took to get their attention and I see God doing the same thing and so I I like how you take and, and mention some of the movies that we kind of haphazardly watch actually had a deeper meaning in it Oh yeah some of the biggest films in in history the most popular films with the biggest names, I think, are broadcasting the message of the Bible. And I have a whole chapter in Shocked by the Bible 2 dedicated to show how God is using uh, the cesspool of Hollywood. And yes, Hollywood is a cesspool, don't get me wrong. But they do produce decent stories every once in a while, whether they're action films or comedies or, or, or romance stories, and they are broadcasting the message of the Bible, many different messages of the Bible. For instance, a very popular film that virtually everyone has seen, very non-offensive, is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Everyone loves this movie. It's starring Gene Wilder as the candy man, the candy maker, and uh, it's a musical, so it's got songs in it. But this story, strangely enough, is broadcasting basically the whole theme of the Bible. And people say, what are you talking about? Willy Won- How does Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory show the message of God. Well, here it is. Gene Wilder, as uh, Willy Wonka, is the maker of all things good and sweet. Well, you know, there is in the Bible somebody who is the maker of all things good and sweet. That, of course, is the creator of all things, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach, if you want to say it uh, in Hebrew. So Amen. Uh, Wonka is, Wonka is uh, the maker of all things good, just like Jesus is. What does he do in the movie? He brings in children to his factory, so they take a tour of it to see how he makes his stuff. And during the course of the film, he is paying very close attention to the moral character of each child. He's seeing which children are filled with good traits and which children are filled with bad traits, evil character. And we see, of course, most of the children are filled with 
wickedness, whether it's uh, gluttony of Augustus Gloop or Mike TV and his arrogance or the uh, British girl Veruca Salt, who's famous for saying, Daddy, I want it now. I want it now. Uh, she is just, you know, the closest thing to a witch with a capital B that you'll ever see on the silver screen. And what happens to Veruca Salt in the movie? She is deemed to be a bad egg and filled with bad moral character. And she plunges toward the furnace. Yes, Veruca Salt, the evil child, plunges toward the furnace. This is a message of the Bible that if you know the truth of God and you absolutely reject it and you are filled with wicked character in you, you will head toward the furnace uh, and be incinerated. Now, there is a repentant child among the group, and that, of course, is uh, Charlie Bucket. And at the end of the movie, he performs an act of, of repentance. And Wonka, who is Jesus, says, Charlie, you did it. You passed the test because Wonka, as Jesus, is testing everybody again to see if they're filled with good or evil. And because he passes the test, what does he get? He inherits the entire estate of Wonka. Just like in the Bible, we are going to inherit the entire estate of God. We are going to inherit all things as the Bible says, and all things includes everything that Jesus owns, including his godhood, because we are going to be part of God's own family. We're going to have eternal life. It's the most fabulous prize one could wish for, as a newscaster at the start of Willy Wonka declares, and everybody is trying to find that golden ticket. Well, again, at the end of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you see Charlie Bucket inheriting everything. It's just astonishing. Even if you Look at the songs that the Oompa Loompas sing. The, the lyrics of those songs are very biblical. For instance, here's the Oompa Loompas singing, If you are wise, you'll listen to me. Well, in Scripture, we've got listen to instruction and be wise. That's Proverbs 8.33. The Oompa Loompas say, If you're not greedy, you will go far. Scripture has a greedy person provokes conflict, but whoever trusts in the Lord will prosper, Proverbs 28, 25. So that's, this is just a simple example of, you know, a, a fun movie that is, you know, you could go and see it 10 times and never realize the messages of the Bible. But when you're familiar with the Bible and what God is really trying to do with people, the message becomes clear. You have to keep your eyes open. And I think it's not just, you know, one, one film. It's, it's the biggest films of all time. It's Groundhog Day. It's The Matrix. It's Star Wars. It's The Truman Show. Uh, the Big Short, uh, even The Walking Dead on television. Uh, you know, my wife hates that show because uh, the, the zombies make all kinds of uh, uh, weird, strange noises. But I, I love it because the, the show is an analogy for the Bible uh, because we here on planet Earth are the walking dead. We are roaming around, uh, having some sort of temporary existence, but we are spiritually dead and will not live forever until we have God Most High, Christ Jesus, living in us, who, who makes us spiritually alive and will give us eternal life. Most people don't realize, uh, you know, we are not immortal. We don't have eternal life right now. We are dead until we have Christ in us, actually dwelling in us, and that's the goal. If you don't have Christ dwelling in you, you're going to be dead forever. That's uh, the message of the Bible. So the walking dead is an analogy for us here on planet Earth right now, 
that uh, until we have God in us, we're just walking around being spiritually dead. Mm. Well, you know, the good news is, folks, is that God, just like we love our children, God loves his children, too. And he does not give up. Um, he, he fights, and, he, and he, well, he wants us to fight also. Uh, because uh, even sometimes, uh, you know, we look at some of these things and we say, wow, I, I, you know, I wouldn't go see that movie. And yet God's still, at the same time, trying to reach people through basic movies, maybe one you wouldn't even see. I think some of the other ones you mentioned in there is The Matrix and Star Wars and different movies like that. And uh, I guess when you really break it down, I never thought about it, but the things that the Oompa Loompas were saying really are uh, biblical. Um, from the Proverbs. I mean, that's just amazing. So praise God for that. Well, Joe, you have some a few other things, and I, I know you don't want to give away everything that's in here because you want people to actually read uh, the book and to find out. And folks, and here's the thing. Don't be afraid to read something or challenge something that you've always believed. Uh, if you're right on that topic, then your faith won't be shaken. If you're shaken, that means you need to go back and restudy it and reexamine it again and pray. I, I mean, I remember one time this pastor said, he said, if I'm wrong, tell me, because I want to get right. And, and that's a great, I think, it's something we should all want to have in our lives. If we're wrong on something, we should want to get right. And, and, and Joe, I think your, your books are trying to show people that, hey, you know what, the way we just read things or hear something does not actually mean that's what the Word of God said. And, and, and it's troubling when people see, you know, the little G word used to uh, associate us, you know, with gods. Um, but when you look deeper in the Word, it's actually something very beautiful and, and something to be embraced. Well, uh, Joe, I want you to just take us down a little bit more and share with us some of the other things you've got uh, going on in this book and where people can expect to, uh, to journey through as they read this. Well, over the years, I have uh, seen the more I read the Bible, and again, I encourage everyone to read the Bible over and over again. You can never get enough of it, and your eyes get more open by God, I think, uh, the more time you spend with it. But uh, I have found that the Bible is written not only on a physical level for us physical beings here on planet Earth, but also on a spiritual level for these spirit beings in a spirit dimension. And we can look at one verse having both a physical and spirit meaning. For instance, here's an easy one from Proverbs 11:18, and people can look it up in their own Bibles, but here I'll read it from the King James. Uh, the wicked works a deceitful work. But to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward. Now, on the physical level here, it's, it's quite obvious that well, wicked people or evil people are working a deceitful work. They're full of deception and, and tricking people. Uh, but to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward, that there's something good coming to you if, if you sow righteousness. However, Again, the Bible is a spirit book written by a spirit being because God is a spirit, the New Testament says, and he's addressing also spirit beings such as angels. There's both good angels and bad angels in the unseen dimension. So uh, when we read that same proverb about the wicked works a deceitful work, who really is the wicked in the spiritual dimension. There is the most wicked one out there, and that, of course, is the spirit being known as Satan the devil. And this Satan the devil does work a deceitful work. He's full of deception. 
He's the uh, he's a liar, the father of lies, the inventor of lies, uh, as Jesus said in uh, John eight forty four. So he's working the deceitful work uh, here. Uh, but the other end of the proverb talks about to him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward. Well, who is uh, the one in the spirit dimension that sows righteousness uh, that there is a sure reward for? Well, that, of course, is Jesus Christ. He's the one that sows more righteousness than anybody. So uh, there's a sure reward for him, and he's already inherited uh, his reward of being uh, brought back to uh, the kingdom of God and made uh, ruler of all things. So I want people to think not only on a uh, physical level, but on a spirit level as well. For instance, every time you see the words, the wicked or the wicked one in your Bible, automatically think this could be Satan, the devil. And usually it is. I, I think most of the time it is. There may be an instance or two where, where it isn't. But usually when you see the phrase, the wicked or the wicked one, automatically make your mind think this is talking about Satan, the devil, and it will open up a whole new level of understanding for you. So this is what I, I, I try to do uh, in Shocked by the Bible, too, is to let people know that there is a spirit dimension, and you can understand it. God doesn't want it being hid from you. He's trying to reveal his truth to you, but you have to have the ear to hear and eyes to see. It's not obvious if you're not looking for it, but when you take the time to, uh, to do that, you, you will find a whole new meaning. And this came in uh, big play when I read the book of Esther. You know, Esther is a book that many people think should not even be in the Bible. Why? Mm -hmm. Because God is never mentioned. The name, personal name of God is never mentioned in Esther. And yet when you read it with your spiritual eyes open, you will find virtually the entire gospel hidden in the book of Esther when you realize who the players are. For instance, there is a, a wicked character in Esther, uh, and his name is Haman. And when you read the Bible slowly and just read the words on the page, it says the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So he, in the story, represents the devil. Remember, the wicked is the devil. He's also called the adversary and enemy. Well, if you know what the word Satan means, it means adversary and enemy. So the Bible is telling you three times in Esther 7, 6, if you want to look it up for yourself, uh, that the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman in the story represents the devil. You will find everyone else uh, in the story uh, being represented, including God the Father is there as King Ahasuerus. Queen Vashti is the disobedient bride of the king who gets banished because she's not following God's commands. Esther, who is the star of the story, is the replacement bride, if you will, for the king, and she represents all faithful followers of God, irrespective of their heritage. And Mordecai is the man who lives by and teaches the divine instructions. He represents Jesus Christ. So I urge everyone, when they have a few minutes, it's only 10 chapters in Esther, you can read it very quickly, and, and you should read it out loud. You will find that Esther is a marriage story, where you have the king married to uh, first bride, she's disobedient. Well, what does he do? He basically divorces her. Well, what, is, what does God do with his first bride spiritually in the Bible, the, the ancient nation of Israel? He says, I have given Israel a certificate of divorce. So Queen Vashti represents ancient Israel. She gets the certificate of divorce and is banished. 
God then goes on a mission to find someone, a bride, who will be obedient to him. And we know in the book of Revelation, the end of the story is God marrying his new bride, which is all those people who are obedient to God. They're called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the brethren, however you, you want to use the phrase. But they're the believers. The true followers of God are uh, the, the, the new bride of Christ, the ones who are obedient to God. So the whole gospel uh, is, is embedded secretly in Esther. It's hidden in there. If you knew what the name Esther even means in Hebrew, Esther means I am hidden as in I am, the name of God, by the way, I am hidden. God is hiding himself in the book of Esther, and people don't even realize it. Most Christians don't even read the book of Esther because they think it's just about Jews in the Old Testament and, and their miraculous rescue. But when I explain it completely in Shocked by the Bible too, by the way, I tried to leave no stone uncovered. So I get into it in depth to let people know that, that the gospel is hidden in there, including uh, you know, what happens to the enemies of God. You know, they are destroyed, and uh, there's even a certain day that they're destroyed, and it's the 13th day of the last month, the month of Adar, the month of fire, and all enemies of, uh, of God are destroyed. So this is possibly, and again, I stress possibly, uh, a prophecy for, for the future of uh, when the devil himself will be destroyed because he's an enemy of God and anyone else who rebels against God being destroyed. So there is this spirit level that you can read the Bible on, not just the physical level, because all those uh, events in Esther did really happen and God orchestrated the events to make them happen in history. So I'm not saying they didn't, of course they did. But when you read it spiritually on the spirit level for the unseen, the hidden story, you will find virtually the entire uh, plan of God, uh, his marriage relationship with human beings uh, mentioned, and the destruction of the enemies of God being destroyed uh, at the end of the book. So I urge people to read Esther with their spiritual eyes open. Wow, amen. And yes, I agree. The book of Esther is extremely, extremely powerful. And uh, I've, you know, the, just because the name of God is not used in there, uh, in Esther's name alone, his name is embedded in there. And uh, just as you brought out, and that's a powerful thing. Um, you know, one a, a guy one time told me this, Joe. He said, when you're studying the Bible and God speaking, he said, put yourself in his position and look in the direction that he's looking. And it'll change the way you read and hear certain things. So if God is in the temple, speaking out of the temple, then why don't you put yourself in the temple and look back out into the congregation or into the children of Israel to give you the perspective that he's coming from instead of you looking inside where he's sitting at when it's him speaking. And I find that very interesting because when you begin to look at the Bible from the way that God talks about it, it begins to show up a little bit differently, and I like that you've brought this out uh, in this book, um, Shocked by the Bible. Uh, you know, there's a lot of words that, that Jesus spoke, if we would actually believe, like, you know, go and sin no more, and things like that probably would radically change our entire country. Uh, that actually used to be believed back in the old days. 
Um, unfortunately, today we've got, as you talk about in, in uh, your book, another Jesus out there many times. And I'm not uh, so sure that Jesus looks like the one in the Bible. As a matter of fact, in a lot of places I know it's not the one that looks like the Bible. But, Joe, if you were to give um, the, re- the listeners a, um, a, a word of advice, Something that helped you along the way in studying the Word of God. That because, you know, the whole even if they read your book or whatever they do, the 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 whole thing is that we get people back into the Word and actually reading it. What advice could you give to somebody when it comes to studying the Word of God, so that you can read it from what God's actually saying uh, instead of maybe you know coming in with this tainted perspective already before you even open it up. Well, uh, the first thing is to actually believe the words that you're reading. I think that's very important to God because sometimes people just read the Bible as any other book. They don't realize it's their divine parent trying to instruct them on the ways to get eternal life because the Bible is kind of like a treasure map and you have to piece everything together, connect the dots of, of scriptures and pay attention to certain themes. God repeats certain themes over and over and over again because we learn by repetition, even in grade school. You know, when you learn your times tables, you don't know your times tables until you do them over and over. Or learning a foreign language in French class, you know, to say, how are you? It's comment allez-vous, but you don't know that the first one or two or three times you have to say it over and over. And, and so God does repeat themes, certain words, certain phrases, over and over. So just keep those in your mind to pay attention to them because he's saying them for a reason because he's trying to embed it in your mind that it's important. He's not just throwing these words haphazardly uh, in the Old and New Testaments for no reason at all. He's telling you the story in so many ways. You mentioned the agriculture before. And, uh, you know, through the book of Esther and Revelation, he's, we're talking about the marriage theme. He uses many different themes to tell the same story that we are meant to be united to him, whether it's being grafted in or being in a marriage relationship, like a, a, a man marrying a woman, just like happened in the, in the garden of Eden, you had the man marrying the wife who is the mother of all the living. The name Eve means mother of all the living. And in the end time, the bride of Christ is the mother of all the living the eternally alive. The Bible uses these phrases because it's telling you the story, even in the names of individuals. And when the story is repeated over and over, it, you have to pay attention because God is telling you constantly, consistently, continuously from Genesis to Revelation what the outcome of the story is. We are to be united with our creator uh, eternally, and we have to take certain steps to do that. And the rest of the Bible is about how do you do that? You have to give up your wicked ways, repent, repent, repent. That word is all throughout the Bible. Stop your sinning. You know, many Christians, I have a whole chapter on this, they don't even know what the word sin means. They think sin means drinking or smoking or carousing late at night with their buddies. They don't realize that sin is defined in the Bible, in the New Testament, by the way, as the breaking of God's laws. It's the transgression of the law, the violation of God's instructions. And when they hear that, they, they get all uh, nervous because uh, they've been told 
by many of their pastors in these so-called Christian churches, which are not, they're Christian in name only, I think, mm-hmm. when they say that God's laws are done away with, or, you know, Jesus fulfilled the law for us, or Jesus' law was nailed to the cross, or uh, Jesus uh, observed the law for you so you don't have to. They come up with dozens and dozens of excuses why we don't have to keep God's commandments. And they are commandments, not suggestions. And what did Jesus himself say? To inherit life. He said, if you wish to inherit life, keep the commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He says it over and over uh, in the Gospels, and it's repeated in in the letters of John and, and other writers of the New Testament. If you love God, keep my commandments. And anyone who says, I know him and does not keep the commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He breaks out the L word, liar. And, uh, you know, we see lying going on all over our, our world today, in our modern world. But all those Christians who say, oh, yeah, I know him, I love Jesus, and they don't uh, observe his uh, instructions, his commandments, they're liars. I'm not saying that. The Bible says it. So I'm just trying to shock people with these stunning statements from God himself and the writers of the Bible who are inspired by God's own Holy Spirit that, you know, there is a way to get eternal life, and it's not usually the way that many pastors uh, are, are telling their flock. And uh, I can't say all pastors, because I'm sure some out there you know, have got their act together and are, are preaching the word, but in many, and it's countless Christian churches, I would say the vast majority uh, of mainstream Christianity today is, is not following the right path, the path to life. They are being tricked into this easy believism where all they think is, oh, I just believe in Jesus, believe on the name of Jesus, and I'm saved. I'm going to spend an eternity doing a whole bunch of cloud floating and and who knows what, because they don't really define what's going to take place uh, uh, when when you have eternal life. But the Bible does define what's going to happen. We're going to be sitting down on Jesus' own throne. You can find that statement from Jesus in the book of Revelation. He said, you're going to sit down on my throne just as I sit on my father's throne, and we're going to be uh, given power over the nations, and we're going to be judging angels and judging the citizens of this world because there is a second resurrection coming where if people don't happen to get it, they don't understand God's message now, they will be raised back to temporary life and be given a chance to be examined and evaluated again, judged again. Judgment Day is not being thrown into a fire. God is not interested in just bringing people back from the dead to say, oh, by the way, you broke my laws. Uh, Now, uh, here's a big fire for you, so you're going to die. He actually is going to give people a chance without the trickery of the devil, because he's the one that put the devil in the garden there to deceive us in the first place. So, uh, you know, this is all going according to God's plan, but he will get rid of the devil eventually and people who don't make it in the first resurrection when Jesus comes back will be given a chance a thousand years later when the rest of the dead are raised. People never seem to talk about the rest of the dead being raised. That's found in the 20th chapter of Revelation, verses 4 through 6. And again, I encourage everyone, open up your Bibles. These verses are there. I put them in shock by the Bible, too, for you, because you're not being taught about them in most churches, and yet it's in the Holy Word of God. You need to know the information you're not being given. This information has been suppressed for centuries. A few people out there may have been talking about it. For instance, C.S. Lewis, 
brought up uh, in, in his book, Mere Christianity, that Jesus said, you are gods, and he meant what he said. So, you know, I'm not the first person to do it. I'm not claiming any special uh, ability here. I'm just repeating what the words of the Bible already say. You've got to believe the words on the page. They're already there, but they're being twisted. They're being suppressed. Uh, they're being ignored. And, and many people are losing out on their eternal life with God because they don't know this crucial information. Uh, well, I agree with that, you know, but I, I'll say, Joe, you, you've got me challenged on the second resurrection piece. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back and reread again. And uh, you, you, you've challenged me on that one. Uh, so, you know, Hey, out of this program, I've got a new challenge. I'm going to go look at, you know, maybe a stronghold in my own life, but uh, folks, that's the whole point. The whole point, you know, you brought up a good, a good section earlier uh, about the commandments of God. How if if sin is the transgression of the law, okay? The only way we can know that we've sinned is if we break one of God's commandments. Then how in the world can we say that His commandments are not relevant anymore? I, I don't. I I just cannot put my head around that one. How how that we think that it's okay. I mean, I tell people say, well, it's okay to you know we don't have to keep God's commandments anymore. I was like, well, which one do you think we ought to break first? Is it okay to go kill someone? How about lusting after your neighbor's wife? Would that be good? Anyways, not to get sidetracked, but you have a good point. Uh, and we got to, you know, we get folks, we got to really study this Bible. Um, you know, even if something you, you might not agree with, how do you know what someone's saying is true or not if you're not willing to go back and examine it? I, I tell people all the time, you, it, you can't trust me. You have to follow God. But if you will not hear something that we share and go test it like the Bereans, how are you going to know whether it's truly right or wrong? You may have been taught. I was taught things, and Joe, I know you know this too. I've been taught things my whole life that were supposed to have been right. And then all of a sudden, I'm reading it, and I realized, you know what? Hey, this doesn't line up. I remember one day, and Dad, if you're listening to this show, you'll remember this conversation we had. I was reading through. We'd always believed this one way our entire life, you know, after I was converted. And so I read this scripture in the book of Zechariah, and, and I called Dad, and I said, Dad, uh, what do you do with this? And he said, son, I don't know. I could have just closed it up that day, went back to my current way I was always taught, and, and, and ignored it. And it would have been really simple. But I couldn't. I had to understand that maybe what I was taught wasn't right. And I need to dig deeper into this word. And I want to thank you, Joe, for personally uh, having the courage to step out. I'm sure um, you've probably received some wonderful emails and probably some not-so-wonderful emails over the things you've written. Well, you know, when I, the first book came out, I got a lot of hate mail because people thought I was trying to somehow trash the Bible or trash Christianity when it's the opposite. I'm, I'm actually trying to get people to read their Bible for the true Christianity that's out there, the words of Jesus. By the way, I do have a whole chapter on the resurrection no one talks about in Shocked by the Bible, too. So you'll be happy to, uh, to learn all about it because it, it's, it's probably among the best news you could ever hear because the people who don't understand the message of God now are not done for. There is another chance for them once uh, Satan has been brought uh, out of the picture. In fact, 
that's our job as children of God is to coach, evaluate, and judge the citizens of the world. That's what the New Testament is talking about when we're judging the citizens of the world. We're going to be helping Jesus evaluate who is worthy of receiving eternal life as members of God's own family. But uh, yeah, the, the Bible is almost the opposite of what people have been taught all these years. My final chapter of the book is called We Live in Opposite World because we are opposing God in virtually everything in society from the belief in evolution and the fact that we, we started this universe from nothingness when it's the opposite that's true. We, we came from a designed, uh, we're a designed universe from God who designed it and, and created us. And you know, all those people who say that Jesus' laws are done away with, well, that's the opposite of the truth. Uh, you know, God says there are certain foods you can eat, but uh, food you can eat and food you can't eat. But uh, many people say, oh, forget that. Let's just throw whatever we want down our faces. So we are in opposite world right now, and, and, and God doesn't want us to be in opposite world. So uh, I, I just wa- I want to stress, again, the Bible is completely true. People just need to read it and believe it. And that is the problem that we have that has created this opposite world because you don't believe all of it. You, don't, you believe only some of it. You know, Christians generally know John 3.16 and Psalm 23, but they don't know the rest of the Bible. And there's a whole lot there that they need to to get the complete picture. You don't want 10 minutes of a movie, of a two-hour movie, and think you've got the whole gist of the movie. You don't. You need the whole movie to understand what's going on, and you need the whole enchilada of the Bible to get, to grasp what God is telling you, and you just can't read it enough. Mm. Well, folks, I think we've been challenged here tonight uh, to go and re, re, uh, read the Word of God for what it says. Um, and I think that's Joe's trying to challenge everybody here uh, that in the, in the end of time, the only defense, the only advocate you have is the Lord Jesus, uh, Yeshua, is the only one that's going to be able to stand in there and say, you know what, this, this, is my, this, is, this one's with me, Father. This one's with me. And, and it's not going to be anybody else. It's not going to be your pastor. It's not going to be your parents. It's not going to be a friend. Only God himself can fight for you and can clear your name because of the blood of his son. And, and, and the truth is that we got to know the word of God. Now, thank goodness he has been merciful of us. Uh, to us, and he's winked his eye in ignorance, but now he's commanding all of men to repent and women. Seek out what the Word of God says. In the, in the United States, Joe, we have no excuse. that You can get a Bible from anywhere at any time. You can read it all. We are left without an excuse in this country, and that is a fact. And so, Joe, thank you for coming on, sharing about Shocked by the Bible, too. Could you quickly give out your website and how people can uh, pick up your book and, and uh, get in contact and stay uh, abreast of the things that you've got going on? The best place to go is www.shockedbythebible.com, and you can get uh, both books there. You can get autographed copies or unsigned copies, but it's shockedbythebible.com. The new book is Shocked by the Bible 2. just came out a few weeks ago, hit number one on Amazon in a category or two. So thanks uh, for that, for those readers who are interested in Bible truth, and you can get it at any uh, bookstore at all. If they don't have it, have them order it. Amen. Well, folks, 
I really wanted you to hear this program tonight because the fact is you've got to study the Word of God. We need to pray and pray hard, but you cannot only pray and not study God's Word. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, and that's through prayer and studying of His Word. Because if you, you can see all the false out there, but the, we need to know the truth, and that's what God wants. So this is Brother Frank and Joe Kovacs from the Remnant Call saying good night, everyone, and shalom. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.